Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Have you ever experienced buyer's remorse? Uh, Something catches your attention, uh, a new car, a piece of clothing, jewelry, golf clubs. I think I'm guilty of that one. Uh, A new phone or computer. You know, something catches your eye. Uh, You may read up on it, you go look at it, you save your money, you think this is going to be the greatest experience of your life if you can only acquire this one particular thing. And so you buy it, and then you get it home, and you use it, or you wear it, or you drive it, and you have this gnawing sense of dissatisfaction in your spirit, and you think, why did I spend so much money on something that isn't going to give me the payoff that I thought it would? Buyer's remorse, it's a a common phenomenon. And I bring this up because there's another common phenomenon that happens around this time of the year. It's what I wanna speak to in this series. And here's what happens with this phenomenon. It's the first week of the new year. And say I ask you, you know, how was your Christmas? More often than you might think, people kind of hang their head and talk about a kind of Christmas remorse. And here's how it comes out. You know, Matt, I had such high hopes going into the Christmas season. I wanted it to be the most spiritually tuned in Christmas ever. I wanted it to be filled with worship and wonder at our great God for sending his son. I wanted there to be some wonderful family times that wouldn't be rushed. I wanted to give to the poor and serve those in need a few times during the Christmas season, just out of a heart that was overflowing with gratitude to God for meeting my needs. I had such good intentions coming into this Christmas season. And I'll say, so what happened? And they'll say, well, you know how it goes. Here I am on the other side of it now, exhausted, emotionally numb, bruised relationships with my family, and I didn't do anything for the poor. And then they say, and the worst thing of all, I'm further away from God now than when I entered the Christmas season. The whole thing was a waste. But then, like dedicated Raider fans, they say, but next year, uh, next year, I'm going to get Christmas right. Well, I've been reflecting on this for these last few weeks, and I started thinking, what would happen if you and I made a covenant together that we're going to get this Christmas right? that we're gonna move toward God and walk more closely with him, that we're gonna uh, make some really good family decisions and some really good decisions about how we use our resources to bless people this year. So that when we get to the other side, we can look back with great satisfaction and say, this was a Christmas season that we got right. That's my goal with this series, that with some coaching and prayer and study, we could all get this Christmas right. And to get us started right this Christmas, I'm going to read the Christmas story to you right now. Uh, We'll at least get this right a a few weeks before Christmas. This is from Luke chapter 2. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, every time I read that simple story, there's some aspect that God sheds light on for me to see in a new way. I mean, that's there's just like a little point that had been maybe forgotten in my life somewhere along the way. And I hope this is not the last time you read Luke 2. I hope at least once a week, if you're really serious about getting this Christmas right, uh, you'll read that story and you'll be reminded of what God did to meet your needs and mine. How God saw the condition of this earth and he didn't look away, but he looked at our sinfulness and our fallenness and he knew that we needed a savior. And so he sent one. You know, if our greatest need had been information, I mean, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us an innovator. If our greatest need had been money, uh, God would have sent us an, an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. Uh, but our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent a savior. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God sent the best that he had for our most pressing need. And he met that need. He had you in mind when he commissioned his only son to take on human flesh. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. And when we start thinking these kinds of thoughts, as we let these uh, fundamental Christmas truths wash over us, you know what happens? We start letting those truths draw us nearer to God. We sense his presence more. Uh, we're filled with a kind of a wonder and worship. And then we look at people around us and we say, you know, well, he came for you too. 
and we begin to treat people with a little more dignity. And we look at people with less and we say, you know, well, I have Christ. I have eternal life. I've been adopted into God's family. I have so much. Uh, and I have a heart to want to help others who have less. It changes the way we relate to family and friends. A Christmas spirit begins to kind of uh, take root in our spirits. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to work very hard to wash and rewash uh, your heart and mine with Christmas content that will help us to get this Christmas right. As we set our minds on the truth that God sent his son to earth in response to our need, our perspectives align with his, and our hearts are open to the needs of others just as his opened to ours. 2020 has been a challenging year unlike any other for many families in our community. And the Christmas Toy Drive aims to make this Christmas brighter for families in need. We'd love for every Blue Oaks family to open their hearts in an act of kindness and generosity by sponsoring a family. The process is simple. You select one or more families to sponsor, purchase and wrap the suggested gifts, and then deliver them to one of three convenient drop-off locations. Or you can make a financial donation towards the family you choose and we'll take care of the shopping for you. The deadline for receiving the gifts is December 11th, so there's still time to participate. And if you're looking for ways to serve this Christmas season, there are opportunities with the toy drive by shopping, organizing, or distributing gifts. You'll find all the details at blueoakschurch.org and click the latest news button. The latest news is the best way to stay up to date with all that's happening at Blue Oaks and the resources available to you. Let's rejoin Matt and look at some practical ways to get this Christmas right. All right, what I wanna do now is identify some Christmas elements that we'll, uh, we'll see or experience a lot of this Christmas season. And I'm going to try to identify them as memory aids uh, tethered to a Christmas truth so that when you see these things, you'll think that's a reminder to come back to the content of Christmas and be washed again right in the middle of my day. The first thing we will see a lot of this season are nativity scenes. Uh, you'll see them on your neighbor's lawn, maybe. Uh, you'll see them in public places. You'll see them in your own home. And if I'm not careful, if I'm just kind of in operational mode, uh, do you know what thoughts will come from the deep well of my life? Uh, I'll look at one of those and I'll say, like, who has the time to put up decorations like that? I mean, that's a deep thought, isn't it? Uh, or I'll have another deep thought when I'm in this like operational mode. You know, where do people store stuff like that for most of the year? And then I'll just keep driving by. Uh, now I'm going to suggest a deeper thought. Uh, I'm going to suggest that we tether this to a more uh, central reality. And here's what I'm going to ask you to think. That was a real event in human history. Like wherever you see a nativity scene, just say, that was a real event in human history. A few years ago, Kathy and I were in New York City uh, staying at a hotel in Soho where we could see the uh, World Trade Center building. 
And we walked over to the World Trade Center memorials where all the names of those who died on September 11, 2001 were written on the wall that surrounds the waterfall where the old World Trade Center buildings used to stand. Uh, and we walked by a memorial that was built for the men and women who died in the line of duty that day, men and women in the police department and the fire department who were going in to save lives and ended up sacrificing their own. And I kept saying to myself, that was a real event in human history. Uh, I was in Israel about 10 years ago, and I actually stood in the fields where the shepherds were when the angels sang the first Christmas carol, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We were in that field. And then we went to the place where the stable was, where Jesus was born. And then we walked the streets of Nazareth where Jesus as a boy grew up and learned how to become a car carpenter. And then we sat on the grassy slopes overlooking the Sea of Galilee where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. And then we stood quietly and looked at the place where Jesus was crucified between two thieves, where he purchased my salvation and yours. And then we prayed prayers of thanksgiving in front of the empty tomb where he conquered death through his resurrection. And each day we would visit a new site and I would think like that was a real event in human history. That was a real event in human history. When you see a nativity scene, just remember, that was a real event in human history. All right, another thing we will see a lot of are Christmas cards. Uh, we got our first Christmas card last week. And when I got it, again, my first deep thought was, like, whoever sent me this is under-challenged. I mean, they need a bigger challenge at work. They need to find a place to volunteer at church if their lives are so in order that they can get their Christmas cards out before Thanksgiving, they're under-challenged. Uh, or they might not have young kids, one of the two. Uh, am I digging a hole for myself here? Uh, let me explain the facts of life around Christmas card sending. Uh, maybe you don't understand how this really works. Uh, here's, a, here's what people tend to do. Uh, throughout the course of their year, uh, they evaluate their relational world. And then when it comes around Christmas time, they actually form a list. Uh, it's a list of their friends. And they wanna touch or bless the lives of their friends around this time of the year. And so they send them a card for encouragement. And whenever you receive a Christmas card, the first thing that you ought to think is, you know, I'm on someone's friendship list. And that's a beautiful thing. Thank God for friends. Thank God for friends who have you in mind and who want to bless your life with a little encouragement through a card. And so when you get it, just say, you know, God, thank you that I'm on someone's friendship list. And then before you put it in a stack, uh, here's what I want to encourage you to do. And just hold it in your hand just for a second and say, you know, the writers of scripture teach us that when we open our hearts to Jesus Christ, we are put on God's friendship list. You know, Jesus said one time in John 15, 15 to a group of his followers, I now call you my friends. 
through Christ, I'm on God's friendship list. You're on God's friendship list. You know, the best human friend you have is flawed. I mean, they don't have unlimited time for you. Uh, They don't always have uh, perfect listening skills or empathy. They don't have perfect counsel. The best human friend you have is flawed. I mean, they try, I try, you try, uh, but we're flawed. Uh, When you're on God's friendship list, you're in a relationship with a flawless friend. I mean, his love is a love of another kind. It's never flawed. His listening skills are unparalleled. Uh, his ability, I mean, he's, he's with you 24 hours a day. His counsel to you is always wise and true. His power and his resources are infinite, and he makes them available to you. Maybe as you're heading into this Christmas season, uh, you're pretty sure you're not going to get it right. Uh, it's going to be a dreaded Christmas. Uh, maybe there will be an empty chair at the table this Christmas. Uh, maybe a loved one has died. Uh, and you can't imagine how you're going to make it through this Christmas. Maybe this is the first Christmas you'll be single uh, because of divorce or death. Maybe this is the first Christmas you'll be unemployed. Maybe this is the first Christmas you're contending with the imminent loss of a loved one. Well, you need to be made aware today that you are not alone going into this Christmas. You are on God's friendship list. And he's coming to you right now as I'm speaking. And he's saying, you know, friends come alongside friends when the road is tough. And I'll walk with you into this Christmas season. And even if you're facing the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there with you. It'll be okay. It might be hard, but we'll make it. We will make it. Whenever you get a Christmas card, between now and Christmas Day, just say, God, thank you for friendship. God, thank you that I'm on someone's friendship list. And before you put that card down, say, and thank you for the greater miracle that through Christ, I'm on God's friendship list. And his friendship is available to me every moment of every day of the season. Jesus said to those who were following him, I have called you friends. The life Jesus lived and the way of life he left for us to imitate leads us away from individualism and into relationships. Our faith is a relational faith with God and with each other. For some, this year has demonstrated the importance of the friendships you have, those connections that reminded you you weren't alone. For others, it's been the opposite. And the isolation and loneliness you've experienced has revealed the absence of close friendships and connections with others. The reality is we all need friends who are close to us, who understand us, who will encourage and counsel us, who will walk with us through difficult seasons of life, confront us when needed, and celebrate with us. We need spiritual friends who love us and care about our spiritual growth as we likewise care about theirs. It's why as a church we believe so strongly that life is not meant to be lived alone, that we were created by God to be in relationship with others. Maybe you've tried and friendship has not been returned, 
or you've been burned by those you thought cared for you. As Matt said, people are flawed and human friendships can be flawed. But I want to encourage you to not let that keep you from experiencing the life-giving relationships God intends for you to have. In the upcoming year, we're working on opportunities for every person at Blue Oaks to be connected relationally and growing spiritually, whether that's in smaller groups or one-on-one. -on -one. God's friendship is available every moment of every day. And so can the friendship of others when we're intentional about finding it and developing it. All right, I want to give you two more reminders. You know, something we'll see a lot of this Christmas are gifts. Around Christmas time, people who love give. I mean, it's just that simple. People who love give. When you get a gift in these next few weeks, of course, you know, breathe a prayer of thanksgiving for the fact that love motivates giving and love motivated the person to give this gift to you. I mean, thank God for the person whose love made your gift possible. But then, I mean, just think for a moment before you unwrap the gift. I mean, just think for a moment and say, salvation is a gift. What I needed most in my life, forgiveness from my sin, redemption, uh, a canceled slate, moral debt removed. What I needed most came my way as a gift. I did not earn my salvation. I cannot merit my salvation. Salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you've received salvation, you've received it for free. It was purchased at a great price and made available to you as a gift. Jesus Christ is God's Christmas gift with your name on it. And he says, you don't have to get on a treadmill and try to earn it. You don't have to uh, you know, do a full series of deeds to try to merit it. Um, you just admit your sin, you open your heart, and you receive the gift. And you say, what an unbelievable God to give a gift like that. So remember the gift of salvation when you receive any Christmas gift this year. All right, last one. Something we will see a lot of this season are lights. Uh, and here's the reality for each of us this season. Uh, we need God to shine his light on us so that we're not walking around in the darkness. Uh, darkness is spoken of around 200 times in the Bible. Uh, it's a picture of life apart from God, apart from his direction, apart from his wisdom, apart from uh, his love and care. And when we live in darkness, we can't see. I mean, so we make foolish decisions. We, we, we're confused. We flounder around. We hurt people. Uh, we become afraid. We lose hope. There was a Harvard study that I read not too long ago where they asked students at Harvard, uh, if prices were the same, which option would you choose? Option A, you make $100,000 per year and everyone else makes $50,000 per year. Uh, option B, you make $200,000 per year, but everyone else makes $300,000 per year. Which option do you think the majority of Harvard students chose? 
Option A. That's the human heart. A majority of us are willing to take a 50% pay cut in order to feel superior to other people, in order to get other people to envy us. We walk in darkness. Uh, I was impatient with my kids recently. Uh, they were supposed to be getting ready for bed, but they just kept getting distracted by other things. And I was short with them. Uh, I said some things that I regret saying. And as I walked into the other room, a little voice uh, inside me said, you know, you should go back in there and tell them sorry for being so impatient and uncaring. You should ask them for forgiveness. And I said to that little voice, I don't like that idea. You got anything else? <laughs> I walk in darkness. Uh, there's greed inside of me. There's deceit inside of me. Uh, I can give into fear, but then make it sound like I was really brave. Uh, sometimes I don't know what the right thing to do is, uh, but I pretend like I do and I try to convince other people that I do. Sometimes I do know what the right thing to do is, but I, because I'm afraid of what the consequences might be or for, for some other darker reason, I don't do it. Sometimes I compare myself to someone and then I hear something bad about that person's life and something inside of me feels kind of good kind of superior. And then I think, you know, where did that come from? There's darkness in me. And darkness is inside each of us. We kind of get used to it. You know, if our own lives are going well, we just kind of get used to living with darkness. John 3:19 says, "This is the testimony that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light." because their deeds were evil. That's just the human condition, apart from God. This Christmas, let's remember God saw the human race, you and me, stumbling around in the dark. We're confused, we're ignorant, we're afraid, uh, we're stained with sin, we are. And I know that's hard to hear. And for some hearts that are stubborn, maybe your response is, I don't like to hear those words. Well, I don't like to hear them either. But it's true. And God sees this. He sees our world. He sees our hearts. He sees our souls. And he doesn't send a warning. He doesn't send a rebuke. He doesn't send a, a punishment. He doesn't send an idea. He doesn't send a religion. He sends this man who embodies all that the human race was intended to be. All uh, the love that God has for us. He sends a person. He sends his son, he sends Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's quite a staggering statement when you think about it. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Newsweek released a nationwide poll that said 89% of Americans say, I believe Jesus was the son of God. Uh, that means most people in America know what happened at Christmas. But I wonder how many people know why Jesus came. I wonder how many people know that the reason we celebrate Christmas is really for our benefit. Jesus came for us, to help us, to be a light to shine in our darkness. So this season, as we see all these amazing light displays in yards and on houses, Let's just pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that Jesus came 
to be a light in this dark world. And let's just say Jesus is the light of the world. It's amazing to me that at the first Christmas, uh, the wise men, it says that they saw the star, I mean, this bright shining light in the sky, and they followed it from the east to the west to find the baby Jesus. And for over 2,000 years, astronomers have been trying to figure out what this star was. Was it Halley's Comet? Was it a meteorite? Was, was it an asteroid? And we don't know, honestly. But the thing is, it was obvious enough that everyone saw it. I don't think the wise men were the only people who saw it. Uh, it was in the sky. And the writers of scripture don't say that the wise men were the only people who saw the star. Everyone saw it. But not everyone did something about it. They saw the light, but they didn't do anything about it. The wise men saw the light and they followed it to Jesus. I mean, that's why they're the wise men. And the question is, how wise are we? It's one thing to know Jesus is the light of the world. It's another thing to let him light up your life. Let's let him light up our lives this Christmas. So when we see an amazing light display, let's just pause for a moment and say, Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus wants to light up my life. Okay, so let me just do a quick review and then the band will come and lead us in a closing song. Uh, first, when you see a nativity scene, let's just remember, I mean, that was a real event in human history. And when you realize someone put you on their friendship list and they gave you a Christmas card, thank God for human friendship. And then remember, you're actually on God's friendship list. And when you receive a gift, remember that wonderful verse, for by grace I've been saved through faith. Nothing earned, nothing merited, nothing deserved. It came as a gift. It's a gift of God available to each of us. And remember, salvation is a gift. What I needed most, forgiveness, came my way as a gift. I did not earn my salvation. Salvation is a gift. And when you see an amazing light display between now and Christmas, remember that Jesus came to be a light in this world. Jesus is the light of the world. So let's just work really hard for these next three weeks to get this Christmas right. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.